Jesus is down by the Sea of Galilee, and a crowd is gathered to hear him, and Peter is there, but he's only half listening. He's just come from a long night of fishing, so he's cleaning up, and he's getting ready to go home, get a little rest. And it's unlikely that he wants to be cleaning up his gear at that point, especially since the catch was horrible. Complete shutout. And I suspect at that moment that Peter feels what we all have felt, and maybe some of us are even feeling this morning unsuccessful tired, frustrated, hangry, empty. I've wasted my night, an entire night. What for? Maybe Peter was ready to call it quits. It seems as though he was, at least for the time being. And maybe some of us can even relate to that. Now, he's been fishing all his life, and he he knows the lake, and he knows the boat, and he knows his profession, and he knows what works, and he knows what doesn't, and he's really tired of trying. So adding slight insult to injury, Jesus gets in Peter's boat. And I say it adds insult to injury because... Did Peter really want him there at that moment? The only reason there's even room in Peter's little fishing boat is because there are no fish in it. And Jesus says to Peter, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. I want you to turn to someone on your right or left just for a moment here and describe what you think Peter might be thinking and feeling at this moment. Go ahead and do that if you can find someone. Okay, does everybody have an idea? A lot of smiles and good mingling there. I think we have a sense of what Peter might be thinking. This combination of being an experienced fisherman, trained, and yet still feeling unsuccessful is extremely difficult. And it happens to scientists And John just shared with us teachers who feel unfulfilled, athletes, we saw that in his illustration, social workers, and for sure, those of us who are in ministry. We have the experience and the background and the training and the worth ethic, and sometimes so little to show for it. And I suspect at that moment, Peter is caught 
in a dilemma. And I don't know if he could see it for sure at that moment or had stopped to analyze it or dissect it like we have the opportunity to do so. But what do you do with this carpenter turned rabbi's advice? Because Jesus is not a fisherman. And it's during the night when you catch fish. Not during the day. The time to fish is over. Plus, I've already cleaned the nets. So this suggestion from Jesus is like telling someone maybe who knows the metropolitan city of St. Louis on a night that both the Cardinals and the Blues are playing downtown. Just jump on 40 and zip downtown. You'll be there in a minute. It's improbable, if not ridiculous. Now, if Peter listens to Jesus, he's at the risk of humiliation if this doesn't work out. You see, remember, Jesus had been preaching to the crowd, and the crowd is watching. And it's just Peter and Jesus, presumably, and maybe a couple of the other disciples in that empty boat. So I would say the temptation at this point is for Peter to speak up with his professional authority and to push back based upon his reasoned experience. And the temptation would be to be crusty, calloused, and cynical, I suspect. On the other hand, he admires Jesus. He heard him preach in Capernaum. He saw firsthand in the preceding chapter Jesus' bedside manner and healing powers with his own mother-in-law and with others that he healed. Plus, he's a rabbi. He's to be respected. And so I sense that Peter is inwardly tense. Verse 5 says this. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Jesus asks Peter for a pure act of faith. What do I mean? It, it, he asked him to take an action that does not worry, that does not analyze people and situations, and is not trying to look at uh, his own personal insight at that moment. He is asking him to Peter responds to Jesus in a way that might be actually in contradiction to his own experiences. But in spite of his own feelings and his own reasoning, see, we think we know it all, don't we? 
we think we do sometimes. And, he, and, and, and the, the temptation was to, was to counter with his own human nature. But notice the text, it, he doesn't say, but Rabbi, if I do that, or no way, or you've got to be kidding, right? Or how about I throw out in the deep tomorrow night? That seems like a reasoned compromise. Or how about you, Jesus? You do it. What we see in Peter is rare. He set aside his first impulses his own thinking and his own feeling and his action is extraordinary as he denies himself. Somehow putting aside his own ego. Anybody struggle with that? His own determination of what works and what doesn't work and what is good and what is better and what is best Let me say it another way. Peter acts with obedience when he doesn't understand. Now listen, there is religion everywhere, whether you go to church or not, whether you're riding a bike on a Sunday morning religiously, whether you go to Starbucks religiously, anything that you do faithfully including coming to church. And praise God, I'm happy that we're seeing the auditorium fill up. It feels good, doesn't it, this morning? Yet what does that say necessarily about our faith? That's the question. You see, my definition this morning is an act of faith consists in its essence not in our spiritual feelings which might be pretty high right at the moment, having gone through the worship that we've just gone and shared together. Not even in our thoughts, in all of our good reasoning, in all of our beliefs, not even in our habits. All of these things are good, but I'm talking about an act of faith is obeying God when I don't understand. And that gets a lot harder for most of us. The essence is taking action that goes beyond ourselves when our action exceeds our human understanding. May be the better way to say it. We've got examples all over the Bible of this, and I just wanted to point these out from Hebrews chapter 11 just real quickly to see, to help understand what I'm saying about taking acts of faith that are beyond our understanding. Think of this, all from Hebrews 11. It was by faith that Noah built an ark to save his family from the flood. 
He obeyed God who warned him about something that had never happened before. Did he understand it? But he trusted. And he put it into action. Hebrews 11.7. How about this for Abraham? It was by faith that Abraham made Abraham obey when God called him to go out to a country God had promised to him. Did he understand? But he goes. He takes action. The text says he left his own country without knowing where he was going. Hebrews 11.8. Again, by faith, the people walked through the Red Sea like they were walking on dry ground. They took action beyond their understanding, trusting God. Hebrews eleven twenty nine. Now, this is hard for us. Once again, and this is where I fumble again and again, because I like to reason things. You all haven't noticed that? I guess sometimes I just, you know, I guess get lost in my thoughts, and I think that's faith. An act of faith, in its essence, is not a thought or a feeling. Those may accompany faith, but not at the essence. Jesus asked Peter to act in faith, not to calculate, not to worry, not to analyze, not to assess the pros and cons according to his perceptive abilities, but sheer obedience. Notice verse 6. When they had done so, they caught... This is put out the nets into the deep, responding to Jesus caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. Lord didn't make his point halfway, did he? Our minds... Our understanding is such a bound set. It's so finite. We are mostly boxed in. We're, we're, we're bound by thoughts of scarcity. And here Jesus demonstrates just the opposite. He demonstrates unimaginable abundance. What looked futile, what looked silly, what looked foolish... In the obedience produces big reward. This haul of fish is so dramatic. It's not business as usual. Peter is spooked by what happens. His response is epic. We've got to read verse 8 again. When Simon saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord I am a sinful man. He falls on his knees. And and why? Instead of giving thanks, does he do that? 
does he feel an intense sense of guilt or inadequacy or, or, or is it that he simply recognizes the power that he has encountered, encountered? I somehow liken it to that passage in Isaiah chapter 6 where Isaiah sees the Lord. Woe to me, Isaiah says, I cried. I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He bows before Jesus, because he senses who he is dealing with. The Holy One, the Mighty One, the author of life. And he tells the Lord in his inadequacy, go away. I think what's going on here in this passage is that Peter has to face his own efforts his own work ethic compared to Jesus. And as he sees his own limiting sense of the world, his own fruitless catch, his own mindset of thinking he doesn't have enough, his own anxiety and tiredness and hopelessness and helplessness, his own measly abilities. And those all come to the fore as he compares this to the catch. Let's see if we can make a couple takeaways. Because I've got a good challenge for you in a minute. First one. I think we can go as crazy with this passage as Jack Buck calling a Cardinals playoff game, turning it into one that even a prosperity gospel preacher would be proud of. As we think about our way, our puny way of looking at the world and the abundance that God has to offer. And we must not miss this sense of abundance and provision and resourcefulness that comes from God. The boat is full of fish. And so I, there is a challenge here that if we could see the deep, if we could see beyond the shallows, that there is tremendous potential there. Because we've often trapped ourselves in our own minds, in our own, in our own thinking, where we feel like we've struck out again. But God's abundance is everywhere. I want you to hear that. And our text tells us that. And when Jesus says, put out into the deep, I want you to see that there are fish that you haven't even imagined let alone caught. And that phrase, put out into the deep, I love it. The unexplored depths of possibility 
whether you think about it in terms of uh, thousands of miles and thousands of feet of unexplored ocean in the, on this planet, or light years of unexplored space, vast reservoirs of power and quantum energy forces that exist in this cosmos. There is an abundance that will blow your mind. And God is the source of all of that. And yet, while the abundance of fish was great and all of the people on the bank saw the fish in the boat and the boat began to sink and there was just a, there was everything from clapping to ooing and eyeing and the catch would have been enough to feed Peter's family and several other families for days and he probably would have been able to sell that fish at the market and even more importantly, what I want us to see is that Peter's world shifted. There is this new insight where his mind is altered and his understanding of himself in light of God's glory and greatness is the key point. Recognizing God's abundance and God's grace and God's wealth and the relationships God gives us and the nature around us, it'll illuminate and open your spirit just as it did for Peter. So the passage isn't really about catching lots of fish. Nor is it really about abundance as much as I've spoken about it so far nor energy, nor untapped potential. The point is, is that Jesus is the source of your abundance and therefore your obedience. I want you to read the text again with me. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. That has to be one of the more remarkable passages in all the Bible. You see, what is going on here in this whole episode is that Jesus is preparing Peter for Peter's true vocation, for his life work, which was not fishing for fish, but for human beings. And Jesus leads us to follow and to fish, to be fishers of men, to be lovers of all that is in God's great sea. 
So as we close this morning, I want us to think about this. Will you choose an area of your life this week, today, to take an act of faith in Christ beyond your own understanding and abilities. This is what Jesus is looking for in his disciples, and it was Peter's willingness to obey that invited him to come follow. When we reach the end of our understanding and our efforts and our endless strivings, that's when we arrive at a place where God can lead us and use us and bless us and bless the fish of the world most abundantly. 